All right, so I was wrong last week. I said we finish up the daily disciplines, and really I just covered, I, I covered one, one of them in three weeks. <laughs> so, so, um, so reading, da- daily reading, prayer, and meditation, I'm, I'm kind of counting as one, one habit, one collective thing that you might do all at one time, right? So, you know, say maybe in the morning you get up, you read your Bible, you pray, and then you think deeply or meditate on Scripture. That's kind of all one thing. Maybe you do it in the evening or a different time of day. But that's one, one big connected uh, discipline. And so I got, I got out my list uh, last week and realized I'd made a mistake. So I have two more to cover. I was going to try to cover both of them tonight, but we don't have time to do that. So we're going to cover one tonight, and uh, we'll do the other one next week. So tonight we're going to look at gratitude, the daily discipline of gratitude. So um, I just want to jump into the science a little bit, if you don't mind, uh, because there's a lot of research that's been done about gratitude, and when you when you uh, are a thankful person, it has a lot of a lot of positive effects in your mind, in your body, and in in your world. So, gratitude can improve our physical health. Grateful people experience fewer aches and pains and report feeling healthier than other people, according to a 2012 study published in Personality and Individual uh, Differences. Not surprisingly, grateful people are also more likely to take care of their health, They exercise more often and are more likely to attend regular checkups, which is likely to contribute to further longevity. Gratitude improves psychological health. Gratitude reduces a multitude of toxic emotions from envy and resentment to frustration and regret. Robert Emmons, a leading gratitude researcher, has conducted multiple studies on the link between gratitude and well-being. His research confirms that gratitude effectively increases happiness and reduces depression. So it's good for our psychological health. It can help us combat depression and anxiety. Gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression. So grateful people are more likely to behave in a pro-social manner, even when others behave less kindly, according to a 2012 study by the University of Kentucky. Study participants who ranked higher on gratitude scales were less likely to retaliate against others, even when given negative feedback. They experienced more sensitivity and empathy toward other people and a decreased desire to seek revenge. So gratitude can enhance our empathy, feeling what other people are going through, and it reduces our desire to be aggressive in response to a situation. Anyone struggle with sleep? (laughs) Well, this study says grateful people sleep better. Writing in a gratitude journal before bed improves sleep. According to a 2011 study in Applied Psychology, Health, and Well-Being, I guess that's a magazine or something or a journal, it says spend just 15 minutes jotting down a few grateful sentiments before bed and you may sleep better and longer. Gratitude improves self-esteem. 
a 2014 study published in the Journal of Applied Sport Psychology found that gratitude increased athletes' self-esteem. Other studies have shown that gratitude reduces social comparisons. Rather than becoming resentful toward people who have more money or better jobs, a major factor in reduced self-esteem, grateful people are able to appreciate other people's accomplishments. So when you have gratitude, instead of seeing other people as competition, you're able to celebrate what they do. Gratitude, lastly, increases mental strength. And there's a lot more than this. A lot of research has been done on the effects of gratitude. But for years, research has shown gratitude not only reduces stress, but it may also play a major role in overcoming trauma. A 2006 study published in Behavior Research and Therapy found that Vietnam War veterans with higher levels of gratitude experienced lower rates of post-traumatic stress disorder. A 2003 study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology found that gratitude was a major contributor to resilience following the terrorist attacks on September 11th. Recognizing all that you have to be thankful for, even during the worst times, fosters resilience. So gratitude has a lot of positive, science, uh, positive side effects to it that science has spent a lot of time researching to prove that gratitude is good for you. And all of those sources were secular, non-Christian sources that are confirming the importance of gratitude according to Scripture. So let's look now at Scripture. I want to look at a few uh, important things when it comes to being grateful or giving thanks. We're going to start with Jesus. Jesus had a huge habit of giving thanks. You'll probably remember it when, we, when you think to Jesus feeding the 5,000. What did Jesus do before he fed the 5,000? He stopped and gave thanks, right? He gave thanks before he broke the bread and started passing out the bread. He expressed his thanks. In John chapter 11, right before, uh, right before and during uh, the, the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead, he expressed his thanks publicly to God. And that, that verse tells us that he does it specifically for the benefit of others. So that they would learn from Jesus giving thanks that they too should be grateful to God. And that's John chapter 11, verse 41 and 42, if you want to look at that. Jesus appreciated God as the Father who watched over all his creation, even the little sparrows, thought of to be of little value, and the wildflowers that were never seen by people. That's Matthew chapter 6. He thanked God the Father for providing food in Luke 24. He listened, he thanked God the Father for listening to Jesus' prayers. That's also in John chapter 11. And he thanked the Father for the opportunity to minister to others in Matthew 14 and 15. So Jesus spent a lot of time giving thanks to God for things that were happening in his life. And he often began and ended his prayers with words of thanks and praise, like he taught his disciples to do in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. 
And he also thanked God for the opportunity to sacrifice his life for the world, to follow through and carry out the mission he'd been sent here for. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus gives thanks for that opportunity, which may sound absurd to us. Jesus giving thanks for going to the cross. So giving thanks is a really important thing to Jesus, and we see that exhibited in his life. But there's a lot more said about giving thanks in Scripture than than just what uh, Jesus did in, in his time on earth. For instance, if you go to the book of Psalms, you will find at least 75 references to giving thanks to the Lord in the Psalms. And one word I couldn't find um, to look up the number was thankful. So I found the word thanks and thanksgiving 75 times in the book of Psalms, but I couldn't find, I couldn't uh, look up, of, I couldn't find a verse that had thankful in it to see how many times that appeared as a different, as a different word entry. So there are 150 psalms, and giving thanks or thanksgiving appears 75 times. So it's a really important theme in the book of Psalms, like in Psalm 136, where it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. It's also in Psalm 55. Um, oh, wait a second. Yeah, that's, I'll get to that in a second. So there's a lot of mentions of it in the Psalms, but it's also a big theme in Paul's teaching. So Paul spends a lot of time telling people to be thankful or to give thanksgiving. It comes up in 2 Corinthians twice, starting in chapter 4, verse 15. Paul says, All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So Paul, when he's talking about grace reaching more and more people, and more and more people becoming believers of Jesus... That that is, the, at least a part of that is thanksgiving. A part of why that's supposed to happen is for, to cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God and, and the people of, of Christ. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So it sounds like Paul is thinking that, that the idea of giving thanks to God, to the eternal God, who is outside of our, our reality, who, who lives in an entirely different dimension, although he is also eminently involved in this dimension, that, that when we give thanks to God for what's happening and for the work that he's doing, that it's focusing our attention on what is unseen as opposed to only what we see with our eyes. And later in uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter 9, Paul combines both acts of kindness and gratitude. So next week we're going to be talking about kindness, compassion, and blessing 
as the last daily uh, discipline we're supposed to be focused on. So this, that theme is in this section as well as thanksgiving. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So 2 Corinthians is a, is a letter that Paul wrote about an offering that was going to be given to him from the church in Corinth. And so this is one of the big teaching passages in that letter about generosity, why generosity is important. And he's saying that the giving of this gift to Paul and, and Timothy or whoever else is with him on these mission journeys, that, that giving these gifts to them, their generosity to Paul would result in thanksgiving to God. Certainly on Paul's behalf, but even more than that, because what we know from Second Corinthians chapter 4 is that there's a thanksgiving that is given to God when people uh, come to Christ and put their faith in Christ. Just a few more verses here in chapter 9. This service that you perform in this act of generosity is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So he's talking about giving this gift that, that it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So here in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that's often used to talk about generosity, Paul is talking a lot about thanksgiving and how what, what people give to the church leads to thanksgiving, not just on behalf of the people who receive the gift in the church, but also for the ministry of the church that is able to go forth because of the gift that is given. So this passage is probably one of our key passages when it comes to giving or to generosity. And it's one that we, that we really love or that I really love. And one of the reasons uh, that, I don't, that I don't talk about the offering hard or preach a, you know, a, a giving sermon every week right before we take the offering and we don't take the offering, we just have the box sitting over there, is because of this verse. It's also because I don't like talking about money. But it's also because of this verse where it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, 
for God loves a cheerful giver. So I don't want to do something to try to compel you to give or to try to compel people to give money to the church. I want people to give what they've decided in their heart to give. And I believe God will speak to each one of us about what is appropriate for us to give. And I don't have to put a lot of pressure on you to do that. And we give thanks to God for every gift that is given to the church because it helps us keep doing our work here. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul connects thanksgiving to anxiety. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So prayer and thanksgiving and giving thanks to God have an effect on our anxiety. It says, verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we pray, when we lift up our requests to God, when we give thanks to God for all of the things that he's done and give thanks to God for hearing our prayers like Jesus did and for answering our prayers, the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. At the end of 1 Thessalonians, Paul often would give a list. He would have like a bullet list of things that people were supposed to do at the end of a lot of his letters. And in that bullet list in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. By the way, if you want an easy verse to memorize, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray continually. 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray continually. You just memorized two verses. It's been a productive evening. So it's important to Paul. But in Scripture, there's also some opposites to Gratitude. There are some things that are mentioned uh, that we're not supposed to do because they, 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 they cause us to, to, instead of give thanks to God for what he's provided, to question or even to, to think what God has done is bad. So one of the biblical opposites of gratitude is complaining. Complaining is an opposite of gratitude or thanksgiving. And I want to go to Numbers chapter 11 to give an example of that. So in Numbers, Numbers chapter 11, there's complaining that happens. Now the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled. So when God heard the Israelites out wandering in the wilderness and eating manna every single day over and over again, God heard their complaints and his anger was kindled. So complaining actually stirred up anger in the heart of God. Well, what is it that they were complaining about? Numbers chapter 11, verse 4 and 6. The sons of Israel wept again and said, they're weeping, they're crying, they're so upset They're complaining so much that they're crying tears about 
what it is they don't like. They say, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we used to eat free in Egypt. The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There's nothing at all to look at except this manna. You can hear their complaints. And I do have to confess that I like to bring that verse up often because it illustrates my point that onions are no good. They represent wanting to go back to a life that God does not want for us. He doesn't want us to be trapped in slavery in Egypt. He wants us to live out under his provision and following him. And here he gets mad at the Israelites for wanting the leeks and onions and garlic. So think about that when you're cooking next time. So complaining is one of them. You can see this also in Psalm 55, verses 1 through 3 and verse 17. Give heed to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and am surely distracted. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the pressure of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will complain and murmur, and he will hear my voice. And you might read that and you think, well, wait a second. I thought it was good for us to bring our troubles to God and to talk with God about our troubles. And that's true. In this, in this uh, chapter of Psalms, there are actually two different words being used for complain. The first word used in the beginning couple of verses that I read is the word anon, A-N-A-N. And then the word used here at, at the evening, even evening and morning and at noon, I will complain and murmur, is a different word. It's the word siach, S-I-A-C-H. So anon is, is what's said uh, in Numbers chapter 11. Sorry. Anon is, in, is not in Psalm 55. Anon is in Numbers chapter 11. Siach is here in Psalm 55. So the word used in Numbers chapter 11 is the word to complain, express discontent, or accuse. Complain, express discontent, or accuse. So what the Israelites were doing out in the wilderness is they're, they're actually accusing God of doing something wrong to them. They're expressing discontent and the provisions of God. So they're complaining and whining about it. But here in Psalm 55, the word siach actually means to lament, to mourn aloud, or to express sorrow. So there is a lamenting form of complaining, a mourning and expressing of sorrow when we're praying to God and we're talking about challenges and frustrations and difficulty in our lives where we can talk to God about these things. But where we have to be careful and where I need to be careful, I've, had, I've definitely crossed the line in some of my prayers to God is where I get accusatory or I get discontented in what God has provided for me. Siak expresses the idea of dependent faith, where I'm, I'm still, I still believe God is in charge and providing for me, and I'm dependent on God, and that is something that's compatible with gratitude, where the other is not. 
The other is ungrateful disbelief. It's grumbling and murmuring. It's angry. Like you used to do in the high school cafeteria about that teacher you don't like. So there's complaining, murmuring, grumbling. Um, And then the last one is forgetting. Psalm 106. To forget, or says, forget not the Lord and all of his benefits. Forgetting is one of those things that's the opposite of giving thanks. We, we don't forget all the good things that God has done. We remember all of the good things God has done, and we give him thanks for it. Right? So there's a, a short, a very short, there's a whole lot more than that uh, that we could go over, but a very short biblical overview of thanksgiving and there's, there's a, deep, a deep importance to being thankful when it comes to being a child of God, which is what we are. But how is this then supposed to be a practice, right? How is this supposed to be a practice? Well, this feeds, I think, I think gratitude and kindness are probably two sides of the same coin, that when we're thankful and grateful, we're more likely to be kind and do acts of kindness to others because we have received such kindness and compassion from God. We're willing to give that compassion. And when we're thankful, when we're expressing thanksgiving to God for all the good things that he's done, and we're continually reminded of God's, God's forgiveness and salvation and grace and goodness and, and gentleness and love, We're more likely to be people who are kind, which is what we're going to talk about next week. When we we are giving God praise for his blessings, both seen and unseen, we're more likely to, to participate both in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm with compassion and and kindness. So so we'll talk more about that next week, but I think there's something important that we need that I really hope we, we drill down deep on as a church. We've talked about it quite a few times over the years. It ties in really well with, with Micah 6.8 of doing justice, loving mercy or loving compassion. Some translations say loving kindness and walking humbly with God. So when we're thankful and grateful that we become more kind, we become more just, and we become more humble because we realize all the good things and and blessings in our lives have been given to us by God or we're less likely to start taking credit for the work God has done. So great gratitude really helps with that. We'll spend more time talking about this next week, but the church has a a big problem right now in in America and, and in the Western Hemisphere because we've kind of lost our ability to be kind. It's been pushed to the side, and, and as culture has changed and shifted to become more and more me-centered, and more and more all about me getting my ways and getting what I want, and more and more driven towards all of, the, all of our lives revolving around our personal preferences and desires, that, that we as a church has, have also fall, fallen along that same line as culture. And now when anything in life starts to threaten the, the what I want 
and the what I wants and the me's and the give me this and give me that, then we actually react to that with complaints and we react to that with murmuring and we react to that with forgetting, forgetting all the good things that God has done. So we've got this problem that, that I hope we as a church will always be out on the forefront of solving. And that we will be grateful people. And as we're grateful and as we're expressing our gratitude, that will feed our compassion and our kindness. And we will, we will become people who are living a life that shines because we're so full of thanks that we cannot help but be kind to the people around us. So I want to talk really quickly about the practical ways we can, we can practice the spiritual discipline of gratitude. John F. Kennedy said, As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. William Bennett, who put together this great big book called The Book of Virtues, he says, sometimes we need to remind ourselves that thankfulness is indeed a virtue. It's something we work towards having in our lives and incorporating and practicing in our lives. Just because it doesn't come easy doesn't mean we shouldn't practice it. Doris Day said, gratitude is riches, complaint is poverty which sounds an awful lot like what we just talked about with Scripture. G.K. Chesterton said, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. Thanks are the highest form of thought and gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. So how can we practice gratitude? Well, uh, like we mentioned already, practicing gratitude might be as simple as starting the habit of journaling for a few minutes before bed. And maybe if 15 minutes feels like too much, maybe start with one minute and just write down one thing that you're thankful for at the end of the day. Or maybe if you just don't feel like journaling, you're not the journaling kind of a person, maybe you just make a, a practice of, of doing, the, doing the Bing Crosby as you fall asleep, where he says, remember the song? Sometimes at night when I can't sleep, I count my blessings instead of sheep. And I fall asleep counting my blessings. Just going to bed thinking about the things that we're thankful for. We'll start to develop an attitude of gratitude. And just review the day. Just go back through the day and, and think about what you're thankful for. List them off. And maybe it's the same things every night for a while and you, until you start to think a little bit different. But you're thankful for, like me, I'm thankful for my wife. Thankful for my kids. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for our house, even though it's a drafty old barn. A lot of things that we have to be thankful for. And once we start listing out the things that we're thankful for, it's like declaring war 
on an ungrateful heart, a begrudging heart, a heart that's angry at God for the things that that we think he should be doing. It's also a great way to start your day, to start your day thinking about what you're thankful for. Thinking about what you're thankful for in the morning can actually help us go throughout the day and notice all the things that we're thankful for. But maybe that's not you. Maybe this is you. Maybe something that uh, would be good would be to, to make an encouragement box. I don't call mine an encouragement box, but I have a, 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 a desktop filing thing that I got uh, when, I, when I first went into the ministry, when I first got a full-time job. It's got a couple of slots in it, you know, like for file folders, but I've never had file folders in it. I've always kept... Um, I've always kept notes and thankful cards, and a lot of cards from you here at the church are in there. And I've done that, especially on dark days. If I'm having a bad day, I might pull out one of those cards and open it up and read it and and remember how someone was thankful for me or expressed kindness or gratitude to me. And that, that encourages me so I can be thankful for the thanks that I've received and, and how that can be encouraging but maybe there are a lot of things that, that you're thankful for, and you could just put something that represents that thing that you're thankful for in that box. And when you, when you feel like you're not really being thankful, you just open up that box and go through them. Maybe you're the scrapbooking type, and you can make a scrapbook, and you create a page where it has you know, a theme, and you attach pictures to this page of all the things that represent that theme of thankfulness. Or maybe there are verses that, that, really, that really emphasize that thing that you're thankful for. And you can cut that out and put it on there much like you would with a vision board. Or maybe you want to do a gratitude board where you have a board on your wall and you just put up all the things that you're thankful for and just keep adding to the board. And you look at that board and you think about all the things that you have to give thanks for. And maybe if you really struggle with gratitude, you can find a mentor, someone who's really good at being grateful and thankful. And you can just say, well, how do, can you teach me? Teach me something about being thankful. And on the flip side of finding a mentor, I would strongly encourage you to limit the amount of influence you give in your life to those persistent grumblers and complainers and whiners and negative people. If you're eating lunch with someone who's grumbling and complaining every single day, it might be a good day to eat by yourself and think about what you're thankful for. Or if you are struggling and you're always grumbling and complaining in your own mind, then maybe it's time to go eat with someone who's thankful and just sit and let their thankfulness inspire you.